Exodus 5, lesson 4, is God's confirmation to Moses. Boy, have we been learning a lot from the life of Moses. I know I have. And so now we're up to the place where Moses goes, he's about to go, or he is going to go to Pharaoh. Look at uh, Exodus 5 and verse 1. And afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh. Now think about this. This is the most powerful man in the world. No one else has more power than Pharaoh. Here comes Moses who can't talk. At least that's what he said. I'm slow of speech. And Aaron, his mouthpiece. They said to the Lord, or they said to Pharaoh, pardon me, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. Look at this. And Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? Who are you talking about, the Lord? I'm Pharaoh. (laughs) I know not the Lord. Neither will I let Israel go. Wow. That was really a great start to their let my people go. And they said, the God of the Hebrews hath met with us. Let us go, we pray thee, three days journey into the wilderness and sacrifice unto the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. And the king of Egypt said unto them, wherefore do ye, Moses and Aaron, let the people uh, from their works, get you unto your burdens. And Pharaoh commanded the same day the taskmasters of the people and their officers saying, so what, 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 what Moses and Aaron went in to do was they're going to try to get Pharaoh to let the people leave. And instead, Pharaoh says, verse 7, ye shall no more give the people straw to make brick. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. Oh man, you talk about a backfire. So they were providing the straw up until now. Now Pharaoh says, no more more straw. All of us go through seasons where we have unmet expectations and doubt. Moses had grown up in the palace of Egypt. We've already learned that. Spent 40 years living on the backside of the desert, has God speak to him out of a burning bush, and his life once again has taken another turn. Now he's walking into the presence, the courtroom of the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, with a demand from God. Now, we've all gone through changes in life, sudden ones. Moses, not necessarily sudden, but it was sudden, that he saw that burning bush. The next thing you know, you know, several days later, he's standing before Pharaoh. So that was kind of a sudden change. We have those in our life, maybe not quite like Moses, but this challenge that Moses had was more than a personal adjustment. This wasn't just Moses trying to get beyond something. This was Moses now going and standing before Pharaoh the most powerful ruler, and saying, I have a message from the Lord. Let my people go. You know, you can imagine today maybe 
walking into the premier's office and saying something, you know. Going over to the prime minister's office and saying, I have a message from God. And just delivering that message, whatever that message may be. You know, stop doing something, start doing, you know, or something like that. But God had appeared to Moses. Even though Pharaoh said, who is that? (laughs) I don't know who that is. I'm Pharaoh, you know. Can't you see how powerful I am? He didn't say that, but I'm sure he was thinking that. But God had given Moses some instructions. God had met with Moses. God had even allowed Aaron to come right at the right time. Remember that? We looked at that last week. Moses is out in Midian. Aaron is in Egypt. And God had Aaron come just at the right time. In other words, remember all the excuses that Moses had? And every time Moses had an excuse, God had a solution. He made a way. By the way, God will do that for us too. (laughs) Be careful what kind of excuses you make with God. Because God will combat that. Okay, if you do have the notebook or if you want to take notes on a piece of paper, number one, number one, we just read about it a little bit, the confrontation with Pharaoh. Now, think about this. Pharaoh had come on the scene and Pharaoh had inherited all these Jews. Okay, remember, these Jews are there because of, I know because of God, but humanly speaking, why are the Jews in Egypt? Joseph, right. So they all moved down to Egypt because Joseph was there and he was number two in command. So everything was good. Except Joseph didn't live forever, which nobody does, right? The Bible says that there came another Pharaoh, after that Pharaoh died, there came another Pharaoh, and Joseph obviously too, that knew not the Lord. But this Pharaoh came in, and this Pharaoh says, wow, look at all these, look at all this free labor. That's what he did. So he, he put them all to work, making brick, serving him. At that time, there was approximately 2 million Hebrews. Think of that. 2 million slaves now. Because that's what they became. So they weren't going to just get by with just carrying on with life. And so they, they became a worker for Pharaoh. So it wasn't going to be that he was going to just let them go because one time... This guy comes in and says, I'm here from the Lord. But, praise the Lord, Moses stood up, at least at this point, and confronted with this, confronted Pharaoh with a direct message from God. It kind of reminds us of where we live today. What society that we live in today. The society that we live in today is not necessarily one that has a fear of God anymore. That's pretty much a lost thing. I'm talking about in society. I'm not talking about in your home. We need to fear God, keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man, the Bible says. But we need to have a, let's say, a spiritual backbone that we we might be willing to stand up for Christ 
That we might be willing to speak for Christ. That we might be willing to, you know, maybe not, maybe we don't need to go out and carry a sign, but maybe we need to go out and carry a gospel track. Give someone a gospel track. It's going to take more of that. I wonder if we, if we do that regularly. I would encourage you regularly to be someone that has gospel tracts available that you can hand them out. It's, it's our duty, but it's also a privilege. Matthew 28, 20 tells us to teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I, I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you all way, even unto the end of the world. So to give the gospel is really not something that is, is an option. Giving the gospel is, it is a command, but it really should be a privilege. We should look at it that way. I was talking to someone earlier today about perception. What is our perception of the Christian life? Is it all do's and don'ts? I hope that's not all that Christian life is to you, because that's not all it is. A Christian life is a, is a beautiful relationship that we have with a holy God through His Son. And it's not a, it's not a I must. It's I get to. It's not I have to. I want to. And so this is a privilege that we have. So, involved in His confrontation with Pharaoh, we see two aspects. Number one... This confrontation had purpose. The blank is purpose. What was the specific purpose? It's in verse number one. That the people might leave and hold a feast unto God in the wilderness. This wasn't Moses' purpose. This wasn't Moses' plan. This was what God had given Moses to give to Pharaoh. He immediately told Pharaoh, I'm coming in the name of the Lord. I'm coming with a message from the Lord. And it was clearly, let my people go. Now, let's think about this word feast. Okay? We just look at it and we say, hold a feast unto me. We're going to have a birthday fellowship here tonight afterwards. And we might say that it is somewhat of a feast. Pardon me. But this word feast is found 36 times in 36 verses. And it is not talking only about eating food. It has with it, along with that, it is talking about a time to worship God. So he was saying, he wasn't saying, hey, Pharaoh, let my people go. God said, let his people go so we can go out and have a buffet in the, in the wilderness. He was saying, let my people go so they can have a time of worship for God's sake. So not just having a meal together, but worshiping the Lord. Worshiping the Lord, why there? Well, so it had purpose, but it also had parameters. So the second letter, blank, P, is parameters. Why? Couldn't they worship God in Egypt? 
Look at verse 3 of Exodus 5. The God of the Hebrews hath met with us. Let us go, we pray thee, three days' journey into the desert and sacrifice unto the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with sword. So God now says to Moses, to Pharaoh, via Pharaoh, or via Moses to Pharaoh, there's some parameters. The parameters are they wanted three days to leave Egypt and be on a three-day journey before they would have this feast or this time of worship. This was a picture of separating from something. What was, do you know what Egypt is a picture of? I, really loud. Sin or the world? Thank you. Both of them are fine. World and sin. So this is actually something that we can look at today and we can learn from this. Now, we're not going out into the wilderness tonight, but we can look at this and say, our worship should not be worldly. The Bible says, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. So, God wanted his people to separate from the world and an ungodly society. Egypt had about 2,000 gods, small g. That's a problem, isn't it? And everything about Egypt was displeasing to God. So in other words, we got to get as far away from this corruption as possible. Now, you say, Pastor Turner, have you ever noticed the world we live in? It's corrupt. Yeah, it is. So here's what you need to do and I need to do. Don't bring it into your home. Is there anything in your home tonight that would be worldly? I mean, corrupt, sinful, right? Think about it. Sometimes our, our, our movie selection, our entertainment selection, we need to really think about that. Is this something that is worldly? I can tell you right now, if they're taking the name of the Lord in vain, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be a part of your repertoire shouldn't sit down in your living room and put a DVD in and listen to somebody take God's name in vain. So I'm just giving you that because it's, it's free. We're not even going to take another offering, okay? But God wanted them to separate from Egypt and then worship. It's kind of like what we talked about this morning, actually. If you weren't there this morning, and you can go back and watch that on the, on the, on the, on the internet. That's kind of what we were talking about this morning about sacrifice. In a later passage, Pharaoh would tell Moses that they could go and sacrifice to God, but they had to stay in Egypt. Exodus chapter 8. Exodus chapter 8. Verse 25. And Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Go ye, sacrifice to your God in the land. And Moses said in verse 27, Exodus 8, 27, We will go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God, as he shall command us. So that was the parameters, the parameters. So as we think about this, it's not just that we would separate from the world, we've said this many times, but repetition is the key to learning, but that we would conform to Christ, separate from the world and conform to Christ. So there were three reasons 
why they had this sacrifice. Now, this is not, I don't think this is in the notes, but maybe you want to jot these down. Okay? Why did they have this sacrifice? They would take the flocks and herds with them. Number one, it was a picture of the coming Christ as the coming Lamb of God. It was a picture of Jesus Christ, the coming Lamb of God. Remember what John the Baptist said in John 1 when, when he saw Jesus? Who remembers what John the Baptist, what did John the Baptist call Jesus? Behold the Lamb of God. Yeah. Behold the Lamb of God. So this sacrifice was a picture of that that was coming, of the one that was coming. And now we no longer sacrifice like that anymore. Why? Because he was sacrificed for us once for all. Number two, this sacrifice was a time to thank God for his blessings. Let's turn over to Psalm 107. I pray that we are a very thankful people. God has been so good to us. Psalm 107, 22. And let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. It was a time to thank God. As they went out into the wilderness, it was a time to show a picture of, the, of Jesus Christ, the coming Lamb of God. It was also a time to thank God. Boy, let us, let us take time. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, I think it's 18, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Thirdly, it was an opportunity to give of their possessions to God. To give of their possessions to God. 2 Samuel 24, 24. And the king said unto Aruna, Nay, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. This is King David. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me nothing. David wanted to buy it before they sacrificed on it. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. So as God's people, we are also called out from the world we should desire to live that separated life, sanctified life, sacrificial life. This, is, this was all wrapped up in what Moses was saying, let my people go. This is all part of it. So, that's the confrontation with Pharaoh. Number two, the condition of the world. The condition of the world. Verse two. We, we've kind of emphasized this already. And Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. What is the condition of the world? Number one, disbelief. Disbelief. 
We see that clearly in Pharaoh's words, I know not the Lord. Why would someone who know, doesn't know God, why would someone who's not saved want to please God? Honestly, think about it. As we, as we, as we see the world living in sin, as we see the world doing what they do, honestly, it's not really a shock. Because they, they, don't, know the, they don't know the Lord. So what else are they going to do? They're not going to try to live for God. Pharaoh said, I don't know, who, who is that? So, this, is, this was Pharaoh's lifestyle as well. He didn't fear God, he didn't believe God's word. We have people today in our world that deny the Lord, they deny that there's a God. Brilliant people. Sometimes those are the ones that speak the loudest. Anybody ever heard of Bill Gates? He said one time, I agree with people like Richard Dawkins that mankind felt the need for creation myths before we really began to understand disease and the weather and things like that. We sought false explanations for them. <laughs> He's supposedly a genius. But that was pretty, that's pretty foolish right there. Daniel Radcliffe, I don't know Daniel Radcliffe from The Man on the Moon, but apparently he's the star of Harry Potter. I'm glad I don't know who he is, but anyway. I've heard of Harry Potter. He said, quote, I'm not religious, I'm an atheist. A militant atheist. When we're, especially when religion starts impacting on legislation. Men who say that Christians invented God or his miracles simply because they needed a myth, they are professing themselves to be wise and higher than God. We know of someone who wanted to be higher than God. That didn't work out too well. Romans 1, 21 and 22. Let's turn there if you have your Bible. They may be brilliant enough to invent a computer, but they're not as wise as they think. According to the Bible, not according to Pastor Turner, not according to you, but according to the Word of God, to deny the existence of God is very foolish. The Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Romans 1 explains it this way. Look at verse 21. Because that when they knew God. What does that say? Every, every individual born of woman. It says right here, they knew God. So it's in every human being that there is a God. When they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. And there, there's the key right there. Why? Because they didn't want the, they wanted the glory. It's more about humanism than anything else. 
They are their God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their, would you read that word with me? Vain in their imaginations. They may as well be Disneyland. It's an imagination. May as well be a cartoon. They became vain. This word vain is meaning like futile. They became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. That's why Bill Gates can say what he can say. Because his foolish heart was darkened. That's why Daniel Radcliffe can say what he said, because his foolish heart was darkened. Verse 22, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. So Pharaoh says, who's God? I don't have to listen to him. I'm Pharaoh. I know not the Lord. Now, Pharaoh had a lot of gods in his life. All right? One of them was named Osiris, Osiris, this is the frog-faced God, okay? This is not talking about the game on Atari called Frogger, one of my favorite games, by the way. We talked about Atari somewhere recently. It was, I don't know, where, where was that at? But anyway, Osiris, then he had Apis. Pharaoh worshiped the god Apis. This is the sacred bull. Sacred bull. Then he, he worshipped, this is one I knew more of, Ra. Not Ra, Ra, but Ra. Yeah, R-A. Ra is the hawk-faced god. And then he had Iris. Poor, that's a good name, poor Iris. The queen of heaven. This is just four out of thousands of gods. Because see, there is a desire in everyone to worship. So if you push out the one true God, you are susceptible, we are susceptible, the world is susceptible to worship anything. Because it is in us to worship. That's how we were created. So just because Pharaoh didn't believe in the one true God didn't mean he didn't have these gods that he worshipped. The Egyptians had so many gods that they didn't even know most of them, and they didn't know the most important God, the God, Jehovah God. So, there was a disbelief. Secondly, there was disregard. Disregard. Look at verse 4 of our text, Exodus 5. And the king of Egypt said unto them, Wherefore do ye, Moses and Aaron, let the people from their works... Get you under your burdens. Verse 7. Ye shall no more give the people straw to make brick as heretofore, which means as you used to. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. So, because Pharaoh did not know who Moses was talking about, he didn't really care, he wasn't going to listen at all. In fact, he commanded that the work become harder and more intense. He didn't like being told what to do. So, the, con the confrontation, number one, the condition of the world, number two, number three, the confirmation for Moses. 
Imagine being Moses right now. All right? Imagine being Aaron right now. God came to Moses in the wilderness, said, I'm going with you. Spoke to him through that bush. It was burning, but it didn't burn up. Told him to throw down his rod. It became a snake. Picked it up. It became a rod. Told him to put his hand in his pocket. Put his hand in his pocket. It became leprous. Put his hand back in his pocket. And it was healed. It was clean. Yet Moses was still not convinced. He had Aaron go all the way out where he was. Midian go all the way out there. And think about all that Moses witnessed. And now, okay, Pharaoh says, so? I'm going to make you work harder now. In fact, it got worse. <laughs> Man. So, firstly, we see Moses' questions. This is not the way Moses envisioned it. I'm very sure of that. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe Moses thought, I'm going to walk in there. Aaron's going to go with me. God's with me. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to take my rod and I'm going to hold it up in the air like Charlton Heston. No, I mean like Moses. Excuse me. If you've never seen the Ten Commandments, you don't know what I'm talking about. He played Moses. You're going to say, let my people go. And Moses thought, maybe, maybe Moses thought Pharaoh was going to just say, oh, okay. Sure. See ya. I didn't need two million free slaves anyway. Hit the road. I don't know what he thought, but that's not what happened. Look what it says in our text. Uh, Exodus 5.22. <laughs> and Moses returned unto the Lord and said, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> that's not what he said. But close. He said, Lord, wherefore hast thou so evil entreated this people? What kind of plan is this? Why is it that thou hast sent me? Right? This is a terrible idea. I told you this was a terrible idea. And Midian, I told you at the burning bush this was not a good idea. Verse 23. For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in thy name, he did not do it. He hath done evil. And look what he says. Now he talks to God. He says, Pharaoh didn't listen. And he says, neither hast thou delivered thy people at all. What's going on, God? Pharaoh didn't listen. And what are you doing? <laughs> wow. The brashness of Moses. What is God doing? I mean, this, this, is a, this is a head scratcher or a chin rubber, whichever one you do. It got worse. I wonder what our response is when something that we are working on and praying about, asking God to do something with, I wonder what our response is when it gets worse. I've been praying for this for a month. I've been praying for this for two months. It's getting worse. 
So-and-so's not listening. That's Pharaoh. God, what are you doing? You almost want to say, just stop. I don't want it to get any more. I don't, I don't want it to get any worse. That's what happened there. I wonder what our reaction would be when, you know, we try to share the gospel with someone and it's just utterly rejected. Like, and we think, you know, we've been, we've been, we've been practicing and working this past Wednesday. We, we're going to do that again this Wednesday. Spend some time in that. We'll add a little bit more and we'll spend some time practicing. But, you know, in practicing sharing the gospel and, you know, I, I share the gospel with someone and just nothing. What if, it, you know, somebody that you invested time in somebody that you've loved in the Lord, somebody that you prayed for, just bails out. They just, they quit. What's, your rea what's our reaction many times? Our reaction's a lot like Moses. I've, I've, I'm guilty of that, okay? And what do we want to do? We want to say, okay, if that's the way it is, fine. <laughs> Next time, I'm not going to be so extending of myself to someone because if this is how it works, why are we doing it? Why are we loving? We're not doing it for that individual. We shouldn't be because that's not why we should be doing it. We should be loving someone because we love God. And regardless if it is returned or received, we're faithful. Moses did what all spiritual leaders do when things are tough. He took his burden to God and talked to him about the problem. However, he was a little bit, I think, out of line, personally. But I have to say that I have been out of line before, too, when he basically said to God, you're making the situation worse. You know what? This is what God told him was going to happen. Look at Exodus chapter 3. So this is not, should not have been a shocker. Because God told Moses in Exodus chapter 3, verse number 19. And I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. <laughs> he already told him. He's not going to listen. Verse 20. And I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders. What do you think those wonders? What's he talking about? We know the story. If you know the story, what are those wonders? There was ten of them. Not commandments. Plagues. So God had already told Moses he wasn't going to let the people go. How come Moses was so surprised then? Had he forgotten already what God had told him? Well, possibly I'm guilty of that too. Look what it says in verse Exodus 5:22. Moses returned to the Lord and said, "Lord, wherefore hast thou so evil entreated this people?" <laughs> Whoa, wow. He says, "God, you're doing evil?" All of a sudden, Moses got bold, huh? <laughs> you know, he was all, 
You know, I can't tell. I can't go to Pharaoh. But now he goes to God and says, why are you doing evil, God? I don't know. He got a, he got a bold streak in him. Notice what he said. And why did you send me? Why hast thou sent me? Wow. So we have Moses' questions, but then God is so patient. We have God's assurance. God's assurance. Look at chapter 6, verse 1. Then the Lord said unto Moses, I mean, I don't know if everything, I mean, I know everything that was in the Bible is in the Bible, that this is all that God wanted us to know, but you know, sometimes I kind of wonder, did something else happen? <laughs> you know, Because Moses just got through basically telling God off. And now God just says to Moses, now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh. I don't know, I guess maybe God just really was patient with Moses. For with a strong arm, hand, shall he let them go. And with a strong hand shall he drive them out of, of his land. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. And I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty. <laughs> He's reminding him of something here. Pharaoh is nothing. I'm God Almighty. But by my name Jehovah was I not known to them. So here's God's reassurance. I am Jehovah. Possibly Pharaoh's attitude of disbelief was rubbing off on Moses a little bit. <laughs> so God just says, okay, reminder, number one, I am the Lord. And I am stronger than Pharaoh. You know, my pinky, if God has one, <laughs> my pinky is stronger than everything that Pharaoh has in him. Isaiah 42, 8, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. This, this is a, this is basically God signing his name. You know, when you sign your name to some document, it, it's kind of like, it's, it's for real now. The United States has a document. It's called the Declaration of Independence. And sometimes we say, maybe, I don't know, maybe you don't say it. I said it because I still have a little bit of that American in me. But I need your John Hancock. If somebody says, I need your John Hancock, you might say, who's he? What they're saying is, I need your signature. Because John Hancock was one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence. And more than likely, the most famous one. The signers of the Declaration recognized the danger of what they were doing. They were rebelling against the most powerful nation on earth. There could have been hesitation on their part. It is said that Hancock picked up the pen and signed his name as largely and boldly as he could. 
and then and 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 and, he, and, uh, and then said, "There now, King George will be able to read that without his spectacles." <laughs> so the point is, God is saying to to Moses, Moses, come on, I'm the Lord, I'm God Almighty. God also assured Moses by reminding him of his covenant with Israel, chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan. You know, God keeps his word, the land of the pilgrimage wherein they were strangers. And I have also heard of the groaning of the children of Israel, verse 5, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Moses was being reminded that the promise God had made to Abraham was the foundation of the nation of Israel. Now, let me just give you this at the end here. We've got to wrap it up. There are some promises that God makes to us today regarding a new covenant. We're no longer under that covenant, but we have a new covenant. Number one, he gives us a promise of salvation. The verse for that is Ephesians 1, 7. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. The promise of salvation. Number two, he gives us a promise of security. 1 Peter 1, 3-5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, and, and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God. So you don't hold on to God, God holds on to you. Through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So a promise of salvation, a promise of security, and thirdly, a promise regarding eternal life. Ephesians 2, 6 and 7. And hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places, in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. These are beautiful promises that God gives us. These are promises that we can claim. It doesn't matter how the world is today or whether the world is against us. We have these promises and we can take them to the bank because God keeps his promises. So we learn tonight in review Moses' confrontation with Pharaoh, the condition of the world, and the confirmation for Moses. Number lesson four: God's confirmation to Moses. If we don't, if we needed a little confirmation, we got it tonight because that message is not just for Moses; it's for you and me. I am the Lord. I am God Almighty. I am Jehovah. There's nothing my God cannot do. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. 